0: So Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 22, and I'll read through the end of the chapter as well as verse 1 from chapter 4. Let's hear God's word. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, Please open our eyes to the wisdom in it, and give us a determination to obey it, to implement it in our lives, and to see it, uh, share it with others, that they may also be blessed. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. When I spoke last time, two weeks ago, on the previous portion, I'd originally, when I'd laid this out months ago, I'd laid out to have, cover verses 18 through 4.1. Uh, they are quite similar. And so we move from wives to husbands to children to fathers and on to bond servants. And so it's kind of natural to uh, couple of those. And if your Bible's like mine, you have little bold print to start a verse where a new thought starts. And I had stopped in the middle of a thought, at least according to that you know, Bible printer's uh, estimation because they do vary, especially across different versions, like ours is New King James. In the NIV, they might have the pericopes totally differently restructured. But last week, you know, we talked about that those eight words, and I'm actually going to share them again later. This is different, though. When we get to bondservants, um, I think we're talking about something a little bit differently that builds upon what was shared last time. Masters according to the flesh. Now, we don't live in a time in which there is slavery or even indentured servitude, not in this country. And so I would think that the closest equivalence would be if you are a person working in another person's house as a maid or a servant, as a nanny, then you're in a position of inferiority to their superiority. You are a servant in their home. And also, I think all employers' employees face this situation. So, I mean, that pretty much covers most of us. But yet, we can learn from any of these illustrations, even if we're no longer bondservants, except to the Lord right now in our situation. But the last time we focused on eight, remember what they were. Wives submit, husbands love, children obey, fathers don't. And so we talked at length about each of those. And so see, last time, two weeks ago, wives were counseled to submit Wives submit. That's how the verse starts out. and So we focused on that. But really, I think today, ends turn to hear that. Now, we say wives submit, children obey, but they're much the same thing. Submission and obedience are very, very similar. And so I believe it's the same here. So when we're talking about bond servants obey, and if I apply that as an employee working for an employer, I'm in that position. I'm to be obedient. I'm to be submissive. And that can be done in actions only, mailing it in, so to speak, without our minds and hearts being engaged in it. And that's what Paul speaks to here. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. So our fear ought not be for towards our employer, or towards our master, it goes beyond that. The fear is to be focused on God alone. So, but yet, we are to do this heartily, it goes on. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. We can easily be discouraged in thinking, as, especially as an employee, as a, as a, a homemaker, uh, as a nanny in a home, that we are not appreciated. We do all this stuff, we pour our hearts out, we put this extra effort in, for what reason? How many women have made meals only to have no one say thank you? It's quite common. We just expect it, we take it for granted, we enjoyed it, and yet no thanks, no praise, no appreciation. And so it's easy to feel taken advantage of, to be taken for granted. And yet, that reflects our hearts as well as it reflects the ingratitude of those that we just served. Because if we are focused only on this earth, yes, it's easy for us to be disappointed. It's easy for us to want the praise of men, be men-pleasers as opposed to God-pleasers. And so I believe what most women have learned is that, yes, you can cajole uh, uh, gratification, gratitude out of your family. And that's a good thing. Teach them that. We ought to teach our kids to be thankful. We ought to not let them leave the table before they say thank you to their mothers for having made this wonderful meal. But we ought not hang all of our hopes and our gratification on that because it's ultimately God that we serve through what we're doing. And if we fall short of that, we fall short of getting a lot of blessing from the Lord. So, we have to focus on God. He is the one we're doing all of this for. So, if I were to only want to work hard at my job to please my boss or to please the the people that be at that employer, that's not enough for God. God wants you to go farther. And so, if you feel underappreciated at work and you want to just mail it in, you just want to do the minimum to get by, the pay is the same, right? That's the phrase you hear. The pay is the same regardless of whether I work hard or barely work hard. But yet that reflects an attitude that God is not happy with. We always ought to do our best. Now, sometimes there might be circumstances that prevent us from doing our best. That's understandable. But we can't just want, from our hearts, to just mail it in. Now, it's difficult though at some places, especially uh, with the whole white-collar, blue-collar thing. It's hard to be, in some places, a good, obedient, going above and beyond, blue-collar worker. Because your fellow blue-collar workers will resent you for this. So therefore, you then have made some enemies unwittingly because now they're opposing you. They regard you as a brown-noser. You're just doing this to get ahead. No, you're not. You're doing this to serve the Lord, but they don't know that, they don't see that, they don't buy that. So as a believer, though, we still must do what God wants us to do, regardless of the consequences. And so I know Pastor Kaiser has shared how up in Canada, prior to, uh, while I believe he was going to school at Prairie Bible Institute, how he would work at that hospital. And the, his fellow workers just hated how he worked, putting his effort into it, going above and beyond He was raising the bar for them, apparently, too. And people don't like that. So we have to do it, though, to the glory of God and despite the consequences that we face. And I believe that all of us, and that's why last week with the wives, right, and the husbands, and the children, and the fathers, we're all in this, and all of us are to sacrifice. All of us are to act selflessly. All of us are to crucify our pride. And that's difficult, especially, I think, in the home for the fathers. And so they get double doses of it at work to keep them humble, to have them swallow their pride. But then what do they do? Instead of learning that lesson, they instead come home and take it out on their families. You've seen the things that, you know, you kick the dog, you yell at the wife. It's just that's what some men do. They totally get it backwards. They don't realize that they're learning a lesson in the workplace that they have to implement in their homes. Protect their homes from such things. From the Lord, you will receive a reward. That's what he tells us in verse 24. We will receive a reward. Now, too, we must realize and accept that God is sovereign, and all of our circumstances are God's doing. He can be so diabolical at times you know and i don't mean that obviously in a sinful way i just mean that in a in a somewhat humorous but yet a very real way god can contrive at times i've been on the road and i'm just thinking all i want is this all i want is that person to die get out of my way you know they're just in my way i don't like them i hate them and you know that's what you're thinking it might take a second for you to think that but that's what you've just thought i don't like this person I've seen this card before, I want to memorize that plate, because I think that's the same jerk that did this same thing last week. So see, we want to keep score. It's just in our nature, in our sinful nature. We want to get even, we want to keep score. And God just says, no, 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 you've got to just let this go. You can't be obsessed with this. From the Lord you will receive the word of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ." But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. For he who has done wrong will be repaid for what he has done. Do you believe that? Because, see, he will be repaid for what he has done. It's not you that's doing the paying back. It's God. And so God says, all vengeance gathered up over all the earth, it's all God's. Every bit of it. And it's his to hand out. But yet, do we trust God? God, to really do that wisely, to do it as we would do it, to do it as we want it done. Well, of course, we can be just as unfair and unjust as the next guy, but that doesn't make us feel any better. We want to be right. He who has done wrong will be repaid. Now, we are pleased to see people get what they deserve when they're evil, and it happens. We love it when we see that, when it happens in our world. Uh, Movies, books, they're all based on that. So many are based on, in dramas, about someone getting what's coming to them. And we're all very happy when that happens. Now, what you have to realize, though, is that what you are experiencing is that desire for justice, true justice. Because, see, in books and movies, they are often written and directed from the perspective of God. I don't know that you ever have heard that term. But in books, there is what's called the God perspective. Many, many, many books are written from that perspective. You, as the reader, can see into every little character's tiny head and tell what they're thinking, tell what they want. Only God can do that. But yet, when I'm reading a book... I can do it too, because that's what the author has done. They've made me God, looking into these people's lives. Movies do the same. They give you this glimpse into all this stuff that only God would ever know, yet you know it because you've been clued in. You've been given that God perspective. It then makes you like God in the sense that you are meeting out judgment upon these people that deserve it. Now, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. This is a good thing. This is ways in which we are made in God's image, ways in which we are are acting in his stead and wanting justice. That's what we want most. We want justice. God will judge us all. The book of Esther is all about justice, and it's all about the absence of God. Some people really have heartburn with Esther because it never mentions God. But I believe that book exists for this very reason, that we are very finite creatures and we don't have the God perspective, never have, never will. And so we have to trust God. Only he has the God perspective. He will see that justice is served. So now, we may not personally see the scales of God's justice at work, but what he wants us to do is trust him, that they are at work. It's hard to accept that, and yet we know that in this flesh there can be things that are so wrong that they can never be undone. I was talking to a co-worker about that this week, because when families experience loss, such as the murder of a loved one, our society tends to not deal with them well. In the Bible, the family of a murder victim had, had a part in the justice that was played out in their lives. Nowadays in our society, we've attempted to buffer the families from that, saying, no, 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 we'll let the professionals do it. And I don't think that's wise. About the most we've ever done is allowed the victims of a family to go and witness the execution of a murder. And of course, that's gone by the wayside. I mean, people sit on death row for 30 years now, and they typically die of old age. And so, all of that sense of justice that we used to exhibit in the image of God, even cultures that aren't Christian do this, would do this, because they're made in God's image. They live in accordance with His rules, even though they don't have His rule book, because it's designed into them. And yet, we in the West, who had God's rubric for generations, for centuries, we've allowed that all to dissipate. But see, God commands that we trust Him. Now, we can only trust our local judges and leaders to the degree that we believe that they will do what's right. There has to be a healthy sense of distrust in a culture that is throwing off God and His law. But we're reminded each week when we come to the table that we benefit, we benefit mightily from the patience of God in not meeting out justice when we think it would be appropriate that he do so. So our desire, our hunger for vengeance, for justice, for righteousness and fairness, must be tempered by the knowledge that God will do it all. Every little bit of it. everything will be made right. And it will be made right by God, who knows all, who alone can operate from that God perspective. So when we come to the table, we're giving thanks to the Lord for the comparative peace and security and justice we live in, but casting all of the wrongs that have been done to us upon Him. You take care of this, Father. I don't want it burdening me anymore. I don't want to try to keep tabs and keep track of who's wronged me, and try to make it right. God will do that. That's what he does. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you alone are just, that all of us have slanted views of justice. We favor ourselves. We favor those that we love. And yet, Lord, uh, you can act with total impartiality. So we thank you that you will make things right, you will mete out justice in the end. Uh, Oftentimes, people on earth escape what we perceive as justice, and yet we don't know everything, we don't see everything. So we pray, Father, give us trust that we will and do trust in you and that we will not allow bitterness to fill our hearts with a desire to seek our own righteousness. We pray instead, Father, that we would cast all of these hateful thoughts upon you, upon Christ, upon the cross, because you have died to take away these things from our hearts. We ask you now, Lord, to please have this uh, table be that grace in our hearts and lives that you mean it to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.